world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Nieder and Mary Drexler. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Four Paw Sports Podcast. I'm Jeff, and along with me again tonight is Mary. Hey, everybody. So, Mary and I both kind of just got back and both kind of got our houses back in order after taking another trip to uh, another trip out of town. Um, surprise, surprise, another trip. And uh, this time uh, came back from Pennsylvania for those who were following along with our long rambling podcast last time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we just came back from Pennsylvania for tryouts and uh, we had a uh, we had mixed bag results uh kyber and i had uh 50 50 we had two e's and two non-e's um jumpers on saturday was not uh was not our game this year uh we ended up having uh one teeter fault on um on friday going in and i thought all right great this is gonna be our year we're gonna have a good year and saturday woke up and apparently uh it was not in the cards for us this year, but we were not alone. It was definitely a sea of ease for all four rounds. Um, I know Mary's got to be tired. Yeah, writer's cramp. Yeah. Not characteristic year at all. Like, I mean, I've been doing this now for where I get to sit. I, I mean, I have the best seat in the house. I get to sit at the table and, and do the backup scribing with Terry Herman. I love working with Terry and watching everybody and, getting to know the judges a little bit and man i i don't think i've ever written the letter e down so much ever <laughs> and especially for people who you wouldn't expect to have so many e's i mean we had a lot of really i mean i swear there were ghosts in the building because uh just some of the stuff that happened and and then even technical things the computer kept being weird and then the timers all of a sudden started being weird and man i mean it was just like i don't know hobgoblins or something it was it was an interesting and certainly my kid did not have her typical tryout and certain sprinkly border collies <clears throat> were not on the board <laughs> one he's sitting on some, me right now for those of you who could, he is some curled up in my lap <laughs> I, I think somebody's kind of on the shit list for that one he is just a little bit i mean we love him now, but he's normally you know he's and of course now natalie's in the Oh geez, is there something wrong with him? Because he's normally so honest, and he was not. Right. He acts like he feels really good. So her, she, but she's. I mean, she gave the dogs a little time, of course, coming back. But we're gonna have some beautiful weather here the next couple of days. So she's gonna take them out and train. And literally, if he goes out and trains the way he worked at tryouts, we're probably he's gonna get a vet appointment. I mean, he acts right. terrific, but sure, it's one of those things like. But I mean, I'm telling you, like, it just felt like, I mean, some of the stuff that went wrong, you're going, and the judges would come over the table and be like, oh my gosh. And then, so it, it was just, I think it was just one of those, one of those weekends, you know, like, I don't know, but, yeah. um, you know, no, you definitely. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, Friday Amongst the sea of ease and Kyber only pulling a five, even though I still I, I don't agree with the teeter call on his call. Man, that's the the teeter's been just my nemesis lately. Um, if it wasn't for Nitro getting on his first year, getting the teeter call then on a clean run, then it's his son coming around years later, going, "Hey, that's a gorgeous clean run. Let's let's not go with a clean. Let's just add one little letter to it." I'm going really Kyber the five really. Um, it, was, it was close. Well, it wasn't like, 
You know, it wasn't like he blasted off where the teeter was two feet in the air. I mean, right. if he literally just burped before he got kept going, he would have been fine. Like, he was so close. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. And then, you know, I, man, I tell you, going from that to two E's back to back mm-hmm. on Saturday, you're like, okay, the first one, okay, I, he did, he had more distance on going up to the weed poles than I expected. I was out of position. I'm going, okay, I beat myself up. I went up and I got um, the, I'm sad for my handling food at the gas station up there. I got some yeah. crap food. So, <laughs> so I went up there and I powdered for powder for 10, 15 minutes. Went, All right, let's, let's pull our head out. Let's do this. And then, you know, have a decent run on the second one. And it's still just, uh, it was, it was a tough run. I mean, it, I was not alone by any means. So, I mean, I felt better about it, but still it's just like, I make it all the way to number, I think it was like 18 or 19. And I looked at him going, oh yeah, I sent them there, but I'm like, oh, come on, Kyber, just give me a reprieve something. Uh-huh. Well, that was then, courses I think were great. I mean, because they were challenging all the way around. And yes. the number of times I saw people make it through, well, like, honestly, round four was a great example. The dogs that made it through that hard send from the tunnel to the jump to the tunnel. And then the yes. number of dogs that at the end came through and, like, missed that last jump wrap or just didn't make Guilty. that last on the last jump. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, you were not. I mean, there's, what, 80-something <laughs> There by by Sunday afternoon there were eighty something large dogs and boy I mean that was not an unusual either either everybody either imploded in the middle somewhere or right. you got to the end and you let up I mean these courses it was just like there were the truly hard hard spots but then there were the spots it's like okay yeah these aren't so bad but don't let down your guard and right and I think it was good I mean I think hopefully people came away with training ideas and stuff to work on. And definitely, you know, I think one of the reasons that the U S has become more competitive when we go overseas is that we are pushing ourselves in tryouts, in practices to do these courses, do the kind of stuff we're going to have at EO and not, you know, we're not trying to make ourselves feel good before the event. We're trying to prepare and I yes. know you said that you had stuff you want to work on. I know Natalie has stuff she wants to work on. Yep. And that's, you know, that's important. And I think that's why we're going to continue to grow. At the same time, that's... I'm glad I'm not the coaches trying to figure out when the world I'm going to put yeah. on the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And this well, year. Aren't gonna go, you know? Right. Well, and this year was very interesting for me because last year, was Kybrich's first year and coming off of his traumatic injury he did not have the speed well this year i was still mentally on last year's speed and he's like dad i have a brand new gear so here i'm playing with 2022 kyber and he's like uh this is 2023 dad kick it into the gear here yeah um you know he my biggest takeaways is one the dog walk to the weave pole entries both friday and sunday for the large dogs those were really, really tough, and I am so proud of Kyber because he nailed those the ninety degree entry straight off that dog walk, and then the Friday night one eighty. I'm like, good dog. The train did pay off, mm-hmm. and yep. I was just like, not a step out of place for that one. But man, it really taught me 
don't let up at the end because I mm-hmm. swear he took that broad jump on Sunday. Go, all right, we got this. It's only one refusal. Yep. We got this. And mm-hmm. guess who goes around the jump? But I'm like, look, I'm going, oh, yeah, I pushed you right around that. I'm going, mm-hmm. okay, well, lesson learned. Yeah. Well, yes, I'm glad you courses. said that. Yeah, about the weed poles because that's one thing that Terry and I were talking about is, first of all, the base level of competence, the base level of training mm-hmm. ability, of handling ability, of is so much higher than it was five years ago. Like, yes, it used to, and especially weed pole skills. Like, it used to be when we would go and sit there, there was only a small percentage of the dog and handler teams that even had hope of doing the course. Yep. And one thing that's really cool is basically everybody that stepped into the line has a reasonable shot at any yes. given time doing these courses. Right. There's the the training is so much better. The like I say, the weed pull skills. I mean, you know, the the ability to send your dog to the weaves, to leave your dogs while they're weaving, for dogs to hit from all angles. I mean, that is to be able to do any sort of cross you want to do. I mean, that is something that is night and day different from what was the first time that I went to tryouts. And well, it's really cool to watch, you know, and I know on a weekend like this when so many people – didn't maybe have their best weekend, but right. still, I mean, it wasn't like people were going out there and just bombing train wrecks. Like they, they weren't in over their head. It right. just, it wasn't clicking or a right. moment wasn't clicking. And right. that's a big difference from, you know, from being like somebody who's trained for novice going into premiere and like, <laughs> you know, I mean, there was, I mean, there were, everybody could come out of there and be like, wow, we had really good pieces there. Everybody, you know, and, and that's something I think that people can feel good about, like across the board. I mean, you didn't yeah. go there and go, oh, why are they here? You went, well, right. poop, that was a bad moment. And that's, yeah, that's nice. And, you know, um, for the people that didn't have the weekend they were hoping for, well, now you don't have to negotiate getting to... <laughs> England with a job <laughs> during the Olympics in France. So, yes, I'm saving a lot of money this year. Yeah. Well, this was the time to yeah. do it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, talk about the weed pull skills too. Going back five years, let's talk about the running dog walk because I oh, will yeah. say I think I have seen fewer calls on running dog walks at a tryout event than five years ago because it, it they were. Oh all great hits and not all but there was a high percent of phenomenal running dog walks and remember five mm-hmm. years ago man you had a running dog walk you were you know you were bees knees you were on top of things right. and now it's well, like yeah. okay well now nobody cares now because i like, get yep, we all have a running dog walk that's no longer well, the edge exactly i mean you still you have to have it but yeah it's yes yeah it used to be there was a bunch of quick releases a bunch of manages a bunch of and there's still dogs missing their contacts but boy that right. yeah I absolutely agree that that's a skill. I mean, we saw a lot of beautiful hits, and there was a couple of courses where the dog walk especially was at a really great spot um, mm-hmm. for those of us at the table to see. And, right. um, man, there were some pretty hits coming off of that thing. That second oh, yeah. that second um, agility round, I think, was the one that, boy, you could just – and, yeah, there were – I mean, yeah, there's dogs still missing, but oh yeah, the contact skills have improved immensely. So that oh, absolutely. Although, by the way, one thing that we joke about at the table, because, of course, Terry, having brought a small dog internationally, you know, the narrative used to be that small dogs never miss their contacts. And yes, they do. 
Right, right. Well, now, so it's to win those events. Now, it's no longer, do you have the running dog walk? Do you have those weave pull skills? Those are all now diminished aspects of winning. Now it's all about lines. It it has Mm -hmm. now come down to who's got the best path, who's got the best wraps. I mean, now now we're down to the technical parts of who's got the best because it's no longer just the you know quote unquote pros the ones who have uh training centers yes grant yes we did have a bunch who did place at the top who are going because they have not because but they are the ones that do have training centers but they're not the only ones going now mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah it's it's definitely become more of a who's got the better technical skills at this point in time so i'm happy to see that it's not a blatant uh obstacle skill it, it truly is now yeah. it's handling that's the best yep. part about this. And I think that's a good segue into tonight's topic, primary topic of conversation, where we want to talk about what makes a good coach. Yep. And, you know, with, I mean, we're going to touch on more than just agility, because I think these these things that we want to talk about, they encompass any side of dog sport. But, um you know, when you're doing trying to do agility at the level that agility has gotten to, you know, at the highest levels of agility, the highest levels of any dog sport. I mean, I've been doing this for a very long time. <laughs> and the level of training your dog needed to be one of the best has gone up in every sport, you know, in obedience and agility in rally. And I'm not even saying, I mean, we can talk, we're going to talk about this from not just trying to do it at an elite level, but you know, when you are looking to reach your goals, whatever they may be, how do you decide who the best person or people are to work with? And what are some things that that you need to keep in mind when you're choosing a coach or when you're trying to evaluate whether you should find somebody else. Yep. Yeah. And I think the big thing too is this is no agility in itself and even dog sports in general. If you're reaching for that top, you can't do this on your own. This is not a, this is an individualized sport, but at the same time, you need that backing. You need that support. Um, and I will say this is the first year I have had. Now, of course, I've got my friends who have supported me and who have given me lots of, you know, words of encouragement and, you know, congratulations on Messenger and whatnot. But this is the first year, um, unexpectedly, I had a coach. Now, it wasn't that long ago. I would say probably maybe three months ago, I started training with Melanie Rock when she moved down here. Um, you know, about 45 minutes north of me. And I started taking privates with her and and I built a pretty good rapport with her and she's given me lots and lots of insights. What struck me and actually what prompted this whole topic tonight was I was having such a rough day with Kyber on Saturday and jumpers and I was just beating myself up. And I messaged Melanie, I go, I'm struggling tonight. I don't know if it's me, if it's Kyber, if we're just off. I, I'm just, I'm struggling. And I don't remember everything she told me, but the gist of it was, look, everybody has bad days. You're still a phenomenal handler. You're not, you're not bad. 
look at this look at the amount of people who have done this longer than you and you're still hanging with them and they're still eating just as much as everybody else is so you know that right there as i'm sitting there soaking because i'm injured at this point because i pulled something <laughs> as mary can attest because i'm going i'm not even coming to dinner i'm sitting here and soaking yeah. um it just it, it kind of broke me down a little bit going okay maybe this is not as bad maybe i put so much pressure on myself to make it this year and it it finally got to me and just mm-hmm. her telling me that was everything i needed now on top of the fact mm-hmm. that you know she did pull me aside at the trial, we would discuss the the course. We would say, okay, well, where are we looking for best course of lines? Where's the after effect if you put them on this line here? And of all the big events I've been to, I have never had that. So that was such a new experience for me, and it was a very welcome experience. So I am, I am definitely saying as a good coach i want somebody who is going to be that positive backing for me even though even in the dark times and sometimes you need that honest costume going hey quit beating yourself up okay you know it is a rough time suck it up and let's 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 do this right well and by the same token i mean sometimes you need your coach you know sometimes your coach needs to be able to say to you you need someone that's willing to say, okay, maybe you're not ready for this. Or maybe, hey, this was great that you gave it a try, but look at this piece isn't ready yet, you know? Right. And right. and I'm not saying that's what – I'm just saying that a coach, one, I think one aspect of a good coach, no matter what level you're trying to achieve, no matter what your goals are, yep. is somebody that will be honest with you and will tell you, you know, what they think you need to improve on, what they what you what they think is good – and we'll be honest, like if you're having trouble, you know, can honestly say, well, this is what you need to do, even if it's something you don't want to hear. Or even coaches, like I have seen people that have given, you know, had students that they've worked a lot and worked really hard with and said, you know, I honestly don't know what to do, you know. So I think one of the keys of a good coach, no matter what, no matter what you're trying to get accomplished is honesty. You yes. know, honesty in in all aspects of it, because without that, you know, you're it's fluff. Yeah, it's fluff, and and I think that's one thing. I mean, we're okay. We're here to talk about what makes a good coach, but also as someone who's co- coached both horse riders and dog exhibitors, I will tell you that there are people that want. They don't really want that honesty. They want to hear. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm pretty. Yeah. You know, and I used to, you know, I, I was a music major, so I'd see it like I've been doing stuff my whole life where there's con- constructive criticism involved, some more constructive than others <laughs> or delivered better <laughs> than others. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is, is everything we're going to say now also as a student you need to be ready to hear it and don't right. if you if you're looking for a coach that's going to tell you you're great whether you want that or not that's i mean probably not helpful first of all but also honestly you're looking for something different than if you really want somebody to make you better and so as a student you need to come to that coach open and ready to learn and ready to Absolutely. even hear the stuff that you don't want to hear Exactly. Well, and also for a good coach, I want a coach that's going to make me responsible. You know, Mm -hmm. at the end of this weekend, 
I took a hardcore look at every single run, looked at every one of those course maps, and I put down, where's all my failures at? What do I need to work on? And I sent them to her, and she's like, perfect, that's a good list. Let's work on these, and let's improve these here. So I want that coach that's going to make me responsible for what I want to train, and then have them add to that list of what needs to improve. And I think that makes a well-rounded coach that puts it on you, but at the same time also involves them to make sure that you become better, not just all on you or not just all on them, because if it's just all on them devising the plan, that means you haven't put any effort into it at the end of the day. And it takes two to play this game. Absolutely. Well, and that's so like, some of the things that I tell people when people ask me, you know, who do you think I should work with? And keep in mind that some of this, like some of the stuff we're going to say is going to be very concrete stuff. And some of the stuff is more, I don't know, emotional or, um, you know, it's, it's more not, it's not tangible. It's not concrete because some of it is, okay, we're going to touch on some stuff here that, you know, that are this solid, you know, whatever you're working for, whatever, these are things a good coach should do. Yeah. Um, but also there's sometimes it's all about personalities meshing and maybe it's the way something is delivered. For instance, my voice teacher in college, I loved her. She was super direct. She was very blunt. I liked that because if you're not super direct and blunt with me, then I'm always afraid that you're sugarcoating it and hiding what you really meant to say. And then I'm so busy worrying that you didn't mean anything good. You said that, you know, that I don't, <laughs> I don't take it to heart, even if you meant it. Um, she was like, okay, that was good. You need to fix this. This is how you fix it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, for somebody else, they might need a little more softening of that information so mm -hmm. that they're not, you know, they may need a little more like, well, that was really good, but why don't we think about blah, 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 and not be quite so blunt, not be quite so harsh, I guess, or hard, you know. And so part of that, like the intangibles of it is, is the delivery of the coach one that works well for you? Do you need somebody that's a little kind of eases you through a little more? Or do you need somebody that's more militant, more like, nope doing this right you know do you need right. somebody do you want somebody that you feel like is your friend or do you want somebody that you feel like is more that's a totally professional relationship um right you know and those are things that you can you know that that's a that's a personal thing and so somebody that's a great like i can say my voice teacher she was great for me i had friends that couldn't handle they they had they couldn't they felt too much pressure and it didn't help them improve right so they moved to a different teacher who had a little bit different approach and it worked better for them you know yeah. and that's so that's one of the intangibles but um on the surface i mean i think first of all you need to know your goals and you need your teacher to be someone who is respectful of that and wants to help you to your goals like Okay, like Je in Jeff's case, his goal is to go to places like the U.S. Open, to places like EO tryouts, and be successful. You know, be on the podium, make teams, that kind of thing. That's fantastic. He needs to work with somebody that, A, has the knowledge and experience that, that they can get there and do that. 
but also somebody that under and understands exactly what it takes. So you need somebody that's working at a very high level or is coaching at a very high level and is very experienced. Maybe somebody else might their goal might be to get a novice agility title or even to get a mock. Well, all great goals, but the experience you need is maybe a little different. And you need somebody, you know, if my goal is to run AKC and be super solid and just kind of like, I don't need to have the fastest dog out there. I'm going to lope along. I want to be steady. I want to be competent. I want a cue. And my coach is going, no, you have to run as fast, fast, fast as you can. Well, then that's probably not a good match for me. You know, if I, I need to work with somebody who's like, okay, cool. Yes, I can work with that. Um, whereas if I'm trying to work with somebody who, and my goal is to make EO and I'm working with somebody who doesn't run international courses or hasn't in a long time and isn't up to, you know, the skills required, the handling required. Well, then that's, we're both going to be frustrated and I'm not going to get where I want right. to be. Right. You know, so like, you know, can your instructor do it or can they teach other people to do it? You know, someone like a Terry Herman doesn't run international yeah. anymore. Right. But Terry is obviously has been very successful she is still actively involved. She's still, you know, like I say, she's sitting sitting there scribing at EO tryouts. If I wanted to handle, especially if I wanted to handle, like get good distance handling and learn how to be super effective, right? I wouldn't, the fact that she hasn't, she retired from international a few years ago, that wouldn't bother me a bit because she knows her stuff and she's excellent. Right. But if I wouldn't maybe go to somebody who, you know, used to run international agility 15 years ago and hasn't stayed current with what's happening since then, because they probably aren't going to be able to help me as much. And we're both going to be frustrated. Right. So staying current is definitely a big, big thing to take into consideration there. Uh, one who's going to be compassionate about your goal. Uh, one who is going to be curious, um, one who's going to ask you, you know, open questions to stimulate your thought patterns and to look at how best to serve your interests. Um, and one who's going to be observant, uh, one who's going to watch you grow, watch you train. Um, and honestly, what makes an even better coach from a dog perspective for me is that if you're at the same competition and they're going to be your coach, I want them to be observing my runs without interfering with theirs, of course. But at the same time, I want them to observe and tell me what we need to work on. Because that's, at the end of the day, even though I'm not paying them at that very second, though, we've mm -hmm. built that relationship that I want them to be able to give that to me. And uh, to me, that makes the best coach and builds the best relationship. Absolutely. Well, if the coach... If yeah, you need somebody who is going to be able to also roll with what's happening. You know, I mean, like if I have an obedience student and they're going and show and this, you know, the dog is suddenly not coming in well to front or not healing well. All right. Well, we need to adjust our training. If I'm out in the agility course and all of a sudden my weave pole skills are falling apart or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, then I need a coach that's going to evaluate and be like, okay, you know, you need somebody who is willing to be flexible and say, okay, now we need to work on this because this is not going, this is a, this is a piece that's missing. Right. Um, 
And also somebody too, that has a good path, how to get there. Like you're in a little different situation than some might be when you start to work with Melanie, because you already, you know, your dog's already trained. You've already been doing this. You're looking to polish. Right. Not that you're not looking to maybe add skills or anything like that, but for the most part, right. you're looking to polish. If right. I'm looking for somebody like, let's say, let's say I wanted to get into agility or obedience and this is my first dog or the first time I'm really trying to maybe, maybe I've put, you know, novice titles on my dog, but now I want to go farther. Okay. The, do I have an instructor that has a, a game plan, you know, a structured way for me to introduce and build on the previous skills until I have a finished trained dog? And because right. some people don't, some people, you know, or maybe they know how to do it, you know, um, like maybe they know how to work with a dog that's super driving and super toy motivated, but maybe they don't, aren't as comfortable with a dog who isn't super motivated or maybe prefers to work for food. Right. Okay. Well, if my dog doesn't respond to what they know how to do, then I probably need to find an instructor, at least in the teaching phase, who understands, um, how to teach a dog like mine, like Hex right. is not going to work for food or she's not going to work for a toy. She's like, that's cute. Keep your toy, but she'll sure. stop kill you. For the treat. So, you know, if I was struggling to teach her some agility and my instructor was like, no, they have to work for a toy. Well, that's counterproductive for both of us. Right. So maybe I go back to that person after I have the skill trained and I'm looking for some handling advice, but sure. They don't know how to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with, picking and choosing a little bit like maybe i have a trainer that's my go-to for teaching foundations for agility but maybe they're not the world's greatest handler and maybe there's somebody else that can help me up my handling game once my dog is trained you know yeah. there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with drawing information from multiple sources as long as you're giving the training methods a reasonable shot you know, you also see the people that kind of hop from thing to thing to thing and never see anything through. And that isn't productive right. either. Or my favorite, whoever's got the hottest training method there or the most, right. most, most well-marketed training um, methods there. Yeah. Because a lot of times I'm looking at uh, people who just market their stuff and, you know, they hire a great PR firm and they, you mm -hmm. know, they build up these great videos and it looks great. But at the end of the day, it, there's no substance. There's it's just fluff behind it, and unfortunately, people will flock to it because it looks good. Oh, um, mm -hmm. And you have to really dig into it to see, you know, is the product that you're purchasing is it, you know, is it going to really benefit me, mm -hmm. or is it going to benefit the person who's getting the money from me? Yeah. Um, but the thing well, you mentioned, make in, you. you know, I mean, right. does it? Because there's some things like. We all learn differently. Our dogs learn differently. Right. We as humans learn differently. I mean, one thing, a training method that a coach uses, and of course, ideally, maybe you have a coach that that has had experience with several different kinds of dogs, several different methods, and can, and can adjust on what you and your dog need. But, mm -hmm. you know, if it doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't matter if it's the greatest training method in the world. If it doesn't make sense to you, and you can't apply it effectively because you just don't understand it or it doesn't jive. Like I, for instance, when I'm training obedience, I hate to use a bunch of props. I hate to use a bunch of extra stuff. Right. So there are some very effective training methods that use a lot of props that you slowly fade out as the dog gains understanding. I don't use them hardly ever because 
it just pisses me off. So it's not going to help me. But that doesn't mean it's not a great method. But I'm not going to go work with somebody that is like, no, you have to teach a front on a box and you have to teach this with this prop and this with that prop because I'm not going to do it. So everybody's going to be, you know, and so part of it is, too, is like, okay, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't matter if it's the world's greatest method or running dog walks, for instance, the way my kid trains running dog walks, I don't have a good enough eye at speed to for it to work like right i i would not be able to give my dog consistent feedback the way she trains sure she's much better at seeing it so i would have to find if i was going to train a running dog walk i would need a different method than she uses or at least how i progress like the beginning could be the same but i wouldn't be able to finish it the way she does because right. i wouldn't do a good enough job with my dog so i'd need sure. an instructor that could help help me fine tune that so that I can be successful, you know? Yeah. And one thing I want to touch back on, um, you said polishing versus, uh, well, let's put the polishing versus rough cuts. And mm-hmm. if you think about from like a pyramid standpoint, the rough cuts, you've got the bottom of the pyramid there where everybody has a billion ways to do things. But then as you get closer towards the top of that pyramid where you're polishing things, you start really running out of, you know, places to go and people to talk to because the number at the top is getting to be minimal at that point. So you really start having to pick and choose where you go train, Mm -hmm. who you talk to about training, because everybody wants to, when you're getting close to the top, everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to help you. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants to be part of that journey. Once you get close to the top there and it can be very tempting to, follow anybody who you know promises things and it's when you have to start evaluating the people that you work with and this is when knowing what a good coach is and what you're looking for out of a coach will benefit you know, as a handler as a trainer mm-hmm. and just in general life uh will help you out there right well and one thing to think about too and i think this is a little different in agility than it is in some other sports is mm-hmm. you see people who are really good at teaching you how to teach stuff that are really good coaches as far as training your dog. Sure. And then we see some people that are really good eyes on the ground for handling and are really good at understanding how to show the best line, how to, how to, you know, effectively see what works best for you and your dog. Sometimes those people aren't the same people. Right. Um, you know, it, it's there are very few elite people that are really good trainers and of not only their own dogs, but also helping you train your dog that are yeah. also really good handlers as far as really good um, eyes on the ground, really good helping you fine tune your handling. For instance, I'm a good trainer. I can teach a dog to do darn near anything. I am not sure. the world's greatest eyes on the ground for a handler. And if, sure. if someone's looking to polish their handling skills, I am not, I would definitely not suggest me, you know, but, and so that's something as a, as a, um, as a competitor, if I am looking to improve myself and be elite in agility or even not elite, even just to reach, you know, my goals are much simpler than yours are. Like, I just want to mock, you know, <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need to shave every hundredth of a second off my time. But if I'm looking even to improve my handling, you know, 
I like I say, I I might look to somebody that does hand that can help do that because that's not a skill that I'm so that's not a strength for me. And and I think there's nothing wrong too when you're looking for coaches as long as the methods used don't completely conflict. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, when I'm looking to train something, I'm going to go work with Joe because Joe is great at teaching me how to do my running dog walk. But when I go to really try to fine tune my handling, then Bob is the guy I'm going to because Bob makes perfect sense to me on my handling and he really sees what I need to do. There's nothing wrong with that too. No, Um, not at all. So, you know, those are, but you have to, and then you have to be honest. Like I think, and I do think it's hard as a competitor or as a student sometimes, because like I say, if you, if you make a commitment to work with somebody and they're trying to help bring you through a method, you know, you want to give it some time to see if it works. You know, Rome was not Mm -hmm. built in a day. But also you need to, I think you need to be evaluating is, do I feel like I'm making progress? Do I feel like I'm better than I was? Do I feel like my understanding is growing? Is my dog's understanding growing? Um, Not that it's going to be a linear increase, but, right, you know, over time, or do I feel like I'm stagnating? And, you know, another thing in an instructor, can I go to my instructor and say, hey, this isn't working for me. Can we try something else? Right. You know, and, you know, and if the answer is no, if they are like, well, no, I can't help you. Okay. Then you you definitely probably need to go somewhere else, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If your coach is not open to you trying to work with somebody else, perhaps maybe it is time for you to go separate ways because there should be no one that has a domination in any market of the country as far as location or anything like that because everybody has something to offer no matter how big or how small it is well and i get a little concerned too like i see some teachers and i'm not you know and i don't think it's as common as it used to be when i when i started a million years ago i feel (laughs) like especially in obedience it was like well if you train with me then you can only train with me and you can't work with somebody else and Right. You know, and and you have to keep everything really close to the vest. And I'm not saying you get on Facebook and be like, oh, this is how Mary Trexler trains everything. Don't pay her. You can just <laughs> I mean, that's rude. But right. and and frankly, this is not cool because that's how that person is making a living. But, right. um, you know, I would be for me, to me, it's a red flag if I go to work with somebody and they're like, oh, you can't work with anybody else. So you can't talk about what we're doing or you can't train in front of anybody else. I mean, I've heard that while well, you can't. You can only train in front of other students of mine or me. You can't, or by yourself. You can't train, you know. And to me, I'd be like, if you feel like there's something to hide, then, you know, what, why? Right. And so there's that too, you know. Um, you know, does it pass the gut test? I mean, at the end of the day, does the trainer and the method, does it, does it, sit right in your, in your soul, in your, in your insides. And if your little voice inside your head is going, "Mm," then maybe that's not the person for you, you know? Right. Well, I mean, the little voice inside my head says a lot of other things, but I try my (laughs) darndest to keep that thing inside. Sometimes it doesn't work the way I'd like to. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that's when I dial dial, speed dial Mary go, all right, I need to let my inner voice out. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. 
And then I, we have some very interesting conversations. <laughs> Ones that are, uh, those are after dark conversations. Right, right, right. <laughs> and thankfully oh. for all of you, you don't have to listen to it on the podcast, although. Yes, yes. But they have made for very entertaining rides home for me. Yes. Same, same. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, good times, good times. Well, I think that about, you know, beats that horse, uh, beats that horse into the ground. Yeah. Don't say that. I have to go doctor my horse after we're done with oh, God. Like, don't, don't talk oh, about God. beating horses into the ground. <laughs> you know me, I, I have the worst analogies to use ever. Man, you know, I mean, probably at the end of the day, like my one last parting thought is whoever your coach is, they should celebrate you. Like when yes. it goes well. They should celebrate you, even if, you know, if you're both at a competition together and you have a better result at that competition than your coach does, they, oh. if, if you have somebody coaching you that can't celebrate that, you probably need to find somebody else. Like, yes, you know, because, celebrate. yeah, I mean, I would love nothing better than to have one of my students kick my butt. I mean, Maybe not all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) celebrate the successes and failures together. Exactly. Like, you know, if I, I live for those moments when my students are competing and I'm not there and I get, I love hearing those results. Like for me, I am waiting. I am excited. And especially when it's good, I am thrilled. And if you're, if your instructor can't be happy with you when you're doing well, then that's a, huge red flag that you need to find somebody else because they should, they should be excited for you. I mean, it should be personal. They should be invested enough that it should matter, like really matter that you had a good weekend. Yep. Absolutely there. Well, on that note, I'm heading down to Texas tomorrow to go judge. So if you happen to see me down there, Come say hi. Uh, Until next time, happy training out there, and we'll talk to you later. Have a good night, everybody. 